Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. back hour two fantasy sports today one o'clock on the east 12 o'clock central hope you're having a good friday good lunch hour thanks for spending some of it with us you heard chris there on the update uh jacob Degrom, 42 pitches in low a and then gonna start this weekend in miami I don't, I don't know if i see that or not i guess maybe sunday is a possibility but definitely not tonight or tomorrow the mets by the way have no listed starting pitchers for friday saturday or sunday that's how Rough it is gotten. I will be at the game tonight between Miami and New York, no doubt. All right, headlines tonight on this Friday. Grizzlies and Warriors squaring off of the eighth seed in the West should be a competitive gain. Warriors are, uh, I don't know, four-point favorites, three-and-a-half-point favorites. Maybe that moves up a little bit, as Davis mentioned. Steven Strasburg back for the Washington Nationals tonight. Starts against that big rivalry game against the Orioles. Make no mistake about it. Those games are always close when these two teams play each other because they are fighting for their territory. Four games in the Stanley Cup playoffs tonight. NBA playoffs in full get started tomorrow. And how about this one, Davis? Maybe the story that captures the weekend, you never know. But the PGA Championship is underway. We are in day two. And don't look now, but Phil Mickelson is off to a really good start through two days, Davis. This is not somebody that we have talked about in a while. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are. I know that you can do some live betting on this over on FanDuel. Usually when Phil is in it, he's in it to win it. He usually goes down to the last day with him. It's like he's either in the whole way or out the whole way. I don't know, though. What do you think this weekend? Yeah, we have an odd leaderboard at the PGA Championship right now. Phil Mickelson, five under par. Brennan Grace, solo second, four under par. Gary Woodland, Christian Bezenweet, who we remember from the Masters, is three under par. Kevin Streelman, three under par. Keegan Bradley, Hovland, Brooks, Aaron Wise, also three under par. It looks like the course is playing significantly more difficult today. Very windy out there. They let the rough grow overnight, causing it to be you know a little bit more tricky for these guys. And and look, if they're if the if the greens are going to play fast and the rough is going to play very hard, you know, very difficult to get it out of there. That's a good spot for Phil. He is one of the best wedge players the PGA Tour has ever seen. And also that mitigates the distance factor for guys like Dustin and Bryson and Rory Dustin having a a shocking round. I believe he is seven over par right now. Rory is uh, three over par. He is not teed off yet. Um, Bryson is, is even par, but you know, when that, when that rough is super difficult to play out of these guys who bomb the ball 300 yards, 330 yards, they got to be very accurate or basically they, they take birdie out of the equation, right? Because if you are hitting from 180 out of the rough, you're just, you're really not going to be sticking it to eight feet. You got to get very lucky to make birdie hitting it, you know, from 180, 170 out of the rough. And so a guy like Phil, who is 
Uh, Phil has kind of transitioned his game to be a bomber a little bit. He, he gets it out further than he did, you know, five years ago, for example. But Phil also is kind of one of those guys who you feel like he can he can at least make par when he's in the rough because he's going to hit some crazy nine iron shot and it's going to twist and it's going to turn and then he you know he can get up and down from the sand for par you know a lot like you you put a you put a sand wedge in Rory's hand and you're feeling terrified you don't know where that ball is going to go but you feel very confident that Phil is going to put the ball where it needs to go so I, I'm excited I I love any major championship weekend where Phil is on my TV. Yeah, I, I, my next question, I guess I was going to ask, like, I mean, that that's sort of what we're missing in golf a little bit is the rivalry. We know, I mean, look, I mean, it, it, the, the novice approach to the conversation is saying that golf was best when Tiger and Phil were going at it. I mean, maybe golf was most popular. I wouldn't say it was best. Like, the players who are playing now are just as good. But were, were you a, a Phil guy through that time? And I know it's been a while for him, but as, as you said, like, you just never know with him. If he starts off well you could find yourself on Sunday waking up in the morning and going, oh, I'm in on golf today because of him. Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a Phil guy. I mean, part of the problem is, in my experience of betting golf and playing fantasy golf on Facebook, Phil is always one of the favorites, right? So you never get a good yeah. number betting on Phil. You know, anytime it's a course where Phil can win, the sports book, they juice the crap out of him because he's he's the people's champ, right? People love right. Phil Mickelson. Uh, and the same is true in DFS, where if it's ever a good course, you know, Phil is going to be 22% owned. You know, just you just never get a good buying opportunity on, on guys like him. But that being said, you know, like uh, the match during hardcore, you know, quarantine and stuff, like that was great. Um, I, I mm -hmm. you know, I, I thought, you know, I, I, he's great on TV. He's a great quote. Uh, I enjoy watching him play. So, so maybe I'm more of like a, a Phil, uh, like I'm a Phil fan, but very rarely do I wager on Phil. Yeah, it, it, you know, it makes sense. I mean, look, th these were not conversations, Davis, that we were having five years ago on on betting on golf. Like, let's like, like I guess some people were, but like, it's really become more of a thing in the last four or five years. And we talk about paying taxes on different players, like Tom Brady, different teams, like Alabama and Notre Dame. And that's a great point by you because you cannot make Phil Mickelson a huge underdog in anything or people are just going to bet him based on name. It's the same thing. You walk into a sports book, you recognize Notre Dame. You log on to the FanDuel sports book, you may not know eight dudes, but you know the name Phil Mickelson. <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay. Like, let me put my $2 that I deposited into FanDuel today and then they get murdered on the handle there. So it does make a lot of sense what you're saying. All right, coming up next, Jim Sanis is going to join us. Echo Park, Texas Grand Prix is coming up this weekend. We're going to give you the latest on NASCAR. Then Gray Albright joins us, and we're going to capitalize on that conversation that we had yesterday. Best and worst picks of the 2021 fantasy baseball season. And by the way, Gray does not agree. Things injured players should not be on these lists. So we'll talk about who should be coming up. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. 
the collide of football pads, the squeak of shoes on a basketball court, the crack of the bat on a home run, the slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Today, as always, every Friday, Jim Sanis of Number Fire joins us here on the show. You can follow Jim on Twitter at Jim Sanis. And of course, we're going to take a look at some of the odds this weekend on the FanDuel site. Give you some chances to make some money this weekend as well. It's great to catch up with you, Jim. Hopefully, a good weekend is ahead for you. The NFL draft is in the rearview mirror. We have golf, we have NASCAR. We have basketball playoffs, hockey playoffs. They are keeping you busy, I am guessing, at Number Fire. Yeah, definitely. And honestly, from a NASCAR perspective, these next two weeks are really fun because we have a brand new track coming up this weekend, Circuit of the Americas, a Formula One track mostly, but first time for the Cup Series there. And then next week we get uh, we get a big F1 race, we get the Indy 500, we get NASCAR in the Coke 600 too. So the next two weeks, honestly, some of the best on the racing calendar. So I'm, I'm jacked up. It is a busy time, but an exciting time. And I'll take that trade off for sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's great to have all of these sports going on at once. Um, all right, so so tell us a little bit before we get to the odds to win the race this weekend. Tell us a little bit about the course. I know they're doing this in Texas this weekend, but tell yeah. me a little bit more about it. It's a huge track. 20 turns, a uh, very long track. It sounds like there will be a lot of tire wear at this track. It's the first time they've run there. But I think there should be a lot of overlap between past road course races. So what I'm looking at for this weekend is I want to try to identify drivers who have been good on road courses in the past, but also drivers who have been good in the 750 horsepower package this year. That is a package they will run this weekend. And the reason there's overlap there is that, you know, there's a lot of braking zones, a lot of braking zones of the track. Speed will matter a lot. So it's not like we just go full on road courses and target guys who may be in questionable equipment. If you blend those two together, I think you're going to have a pretty good idea of who's going to run well on Sunday. So to me, it is identifying drivers who are in really good current form with the 750 package and then looking at the road course history after that. Cause I think that that's going to be something this week where we don't want to toss out current form. It does still matter, even though they will be turning both left and right on Sunday. Okay. Well for DFS, we're going to probably do a little bit something different than we normally do here on the show because of qualifying this weekend. But I definitely think we can take a look at the odds this weekend over on FanDuel. For those of you who are looking to pick a winner this weekend, Jim's great at this. So let's take a look real quick for this weekend's odds uh, over on the FanDuel Sportsbook. We have Chase Elliott plus 240, Martin Truex Jr. at about, it looks like almost 5-1, to one, plus 480 as it stands on FanDuel. Denny Hamlin is 10-1, to one, Kyle Larson at 12-1. to one. Kyle Busch is 16 to 1, and then Ryan Blaney is at 17 to 1. So those are the chalky options. Although I would say FanDuel's telling you there's a shot somebody could definitely win this one because I think after the four or five to one, it's a lot of opportunity there, Jim. Who do you like this weekend? 
Honestly, I think the Truex is still tempting, despite the fact his odds are so short. Uh, my win simulations have him at 18.0%. So he's plus 450 where I see him right now. That means he's almost exactly in line with what my simulations say. So if we get a situation where practice on Saturday occurs and Martin Truex Jr. reopens at 5-1, to one, I'm going to bet that because I think that that's a good situation. He is almost a value where he's, he is right now. I've done studies on whether practice times are predictive for certain drivers. And what I found was that it was more predictive for younger drivers than older drivers. And Truex in his age 41 season, if he isn't super fast on Saturday, I'm not going to care. So I think that what I'm doing right now, Craig, is holding off. I don't want to bet Truex yet because I think that I might be able to get him at a better number after practice on Saturday. So I'm going to hold off there, but I'm going to bet him at some point. I'm pretty sure. The other guys that like right now, and I would bet before practice on Saturday, are Joey Logano and William Byron. Mm -hmm. Logano is 16 to 1, Byron 18 to 1. And if I look at my model and look at the projected average running position of each driver, Logano ranks fourth and uh, Byron ranks fifth. That's for two reasons. They've been great in the 750 package this year at, at every track, pretty much. Uh, Logano, one in Bristol. Byron, another good run last week in Dover. They've been good in this package but also good on road courses. But Logano has three straight podium finishes if you count the Bush Clash, which is also in the Daytona road course back in February. So he's been competitive. He hasn't won yet, but he's been very competitive. Byron, even dating back to when he was like in his age 21 season, like a couple years ago, right. he ran out front in Sonoma. So I think that these guys have the upside to win. I think they'll be fast in practice on Saturday because they're both, I believe Logano is still before, he's close to his age 30 season. Like he's still decently young, Byron very young. So I'd expect him to be very fast in practice on Saturday. So I want to bet Byron now and I want to bet Logano now. And then Truex is a guy I'm monitoring based on seeing if I can get a better number post-practice on Saturday. Okay, yeah, I mean, Byron's odds are, are pretty strong here. If that ends up happening, you can get ahead of the game. Like Jim says, of course, with his simulation that he does makes a lot of sense for this weekend. Uh, before we do get to DFS, I promised last week that we would take a quick look at just the overall odds to win the NASCAR Cup Series championship. So I do want to see if there's any edge here. And then in a couple of weeks, we'll check back on this and see how things have changed. I haven't seen anything all that significant in terms of change, Jim. I got Truex here at six and a half to one, Chase Elliott at eight to one, Larson eight to one, Hamlin eight to one, Keselowski nine to one. And, uh, and Joey Logano is also 9-1. to one. So it, it does kind of feel like it's still wide open, but Truex has been the dominating uh, factor, I guess, in this as we yeah. head toward the middle of the season. I still think there's value on Truex at plus 550. I think that's actually a decent number to get him at because he's been so good on the tracks that matter the most. You think about the round before the championship round. Martinsville is a track he has dominated on for a while now, even though even when he wasn't getting wins back in the day, he was still dominating there. Uh, I think that that's going to bode well for him. That should lock him into the final round, and he won at Phoenix earlier this year. So plus 550 is actually a decent number for him. If you want to dip a bit lower, I think that Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney both grade out as being interested. I have Logano at 850, uh, Blaney at 11 to 1. And the reason that I think they're interesting is that they're both good on the 750 packages, which is what we'll have in Phoenix. Logano ran pretty well there last year. Blaney, Phoenix, not his best track, but he's been competitive. He was very competitive there in the fall last year. So I think both those guys are very interesting. The reason that I'm hesitant on Blaney, even though he's 11 to 1, is I'm not sure he'll make it out of the first round. It has mm -hmm. like two of his worst tracks in the three races. So if he gets out of the first round, I would adore him. 
a little bit skittish about him making it through there. So I'm hoping he can pad some playoff points here in these uh, these final regular season races and try to get his way there. But even at 11 to one, I think you're getting a forgiving number on Blaney. Yeah, interesting. If Truex Jr. in two weeks is two to one, remember this conversation that <laughs> Jim and I had here. Uh, the, the advantage is now if you want to bet that. Uh, all right, so we got a couple of minutes left here. We've decided to sort of pivot a little bit away from the DFS. As Jim mentioned, it does make more sense in terms of waiting on qualifying. So what do you do? Of course, you go to Numberfire or you follow Jim on Twitter. Those of you who have been waiting for his selections all week long in DFS, that's what you're going to have to do in a general scheme this weekend in order to sort of make money doing it. But beside the fact, we can give some advice in terms of how you would construct based on the outcomes this weekend. And Jim, how would we do that this week? So so what you want to do, Craig, is accept place differential points where you can get them. So let's say someone who is a good driver slips up in qualifying on Sunday morning. Then you're going to want to target them because it's a short race. And in a short race, we always want to prioritize drivers starting further back. The problem is finishing points are going to be critical this week. So you don't want to just use drivers starting further back because they're starting further back. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that driver has speed. So let's say you have a driver you think will be fast, like Joey Logano starting in 17th on Sunday. Load up on him. That's a, a tremendous opportunity. But like, you're still going to want to get drivers closer to the front. So to me, it's week where, a week where we prioritize speed. Look at what you see on Saturday or during practice. Look at the 750 package. Look at road course history. Try to decide who is fast. And if those drivers are starting further back, load up on them. They'll be very good DFS plays. But if you can't find drivers starting deeper in the pack who you think will get a top 10 or a really good finish on Sunday, it's okay to ignore them. Our default like desire should be to get guys who can get place differential, but don't force it with drivers who aren't going to finish in the top 10. Gotcha. Okay. So place differential is the key for the weekend. But again, number fire is your spot this weekend. If you want more advice on who to play this weekend in the big NASCAR race in the great state of Texas, follow Jim on Twitter at Jim Sanis. Jim, as always great to catch up with you Memorial day weekend next weekend. I look forward to catching up with you then. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to it, Craig. Appreciate it. And uh, a fun couple weeks of racing here. So it should be a blast. No doubt. Jim Sanis with us here on Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. Make sure you stay with us on the grid. we got plenty more to come, including a updated fantasy baseball discussion with one of our favorites. You probably know who that is. But if you don't, you'll have to stay on the grid. We're back in just two minutes right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish here with you on the show. Davis will join me again in just a second. But it is time now for our weekly check-in with Gray Albright from Razball.com. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Razball. He and I are fighting against each other in the National League Tout Wars. Gray actually passed me up for a few minutes this week. And then, of course, Tyler Molly did what he did, and now he's a little bit behind me again. But Gray is probably going to finish ahead of me. He's good at what he does. Uh, Gray, it's good to catch up with you here on this weekend. What's going on? Uh, no, yeah, I'm just, I'm feeling the effects of the, uh, T, T Molly start, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you didn't get that vaccine, Gray, it didn't work out. I didn't get that one. (laughs) That one. (laughs) Uh, all right, so we're 25% through the fantasy baseball season. Davis and I discussed the best and worst picks in fantasy baseball, and I'm sure I missed somebody on both levels, but I would love to run them by you. And you tell me what you think here, and then we'll kind of go from there. So uh, worst fantasy baseball, uh, bottom five in terms of fantasy baseball picks. Christian Yelich was a top 10 pick, Gray, in the NFBC. He has not played. Alberto Mondesi was a top 30 pick in the NFBC. He has not played. And again, I'm not using qualifiers here. I'm just basically going output, outcome, the end. Maybe you feel differently. I'll get to you in a second here on that. Uh, Okay, so now the third worst I have, Luis Castillo because he has just destroyed your fantasy team this season. And he was a top 30 pick in the NFBC as well. George Springer, a top 40 pick, has played in one game. uh, So he hasn't helped you at all. And then another player who has hurt more than he has helped in a large scale, which is Keston Hura, who probably went later in drafts, maybe sixth round, 70 overall in the NFBC. But certainly he has been a massive disappointment, and he could come back. So I do want to say that. He is raking in the minor leagues, so we could see him again soon. Yelich, Mondesi, Castillo, Springer, and Hero. That's who I got, Gray. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I got, I got a few bones to pick with that list. I, I agree that none of those guys have helped you, obviously. I think, uh, you know, Keiston Herrera... Actually, I would I would love to uh, toot my own horn that I my bold prediction for this season was he would get sent down to the minors because his batting average dropped out. And I mean, I honestly I, I'm usually never right on bold predictions because I usually make them and they're usually like totally outlandish and unlikely. But that one, <laughs> it really came. I mean, it's amazing that it came true because it was like such a shot in the dark. I never thought like I thought he it could happen. Like at like ten to fifteen percent chance, but yeah, I mean his. I saw the strikeouts and I was like, "There's a chance this guy could really bottom out," and and that was what happened. So Keiston Rare is definitely. I would put him on the list. Christian Yelich and um, George Springer and uh, what was Mondesi. the uh, Mondesi? Mondesi, right? I, those I have a problem with because their injuries. Which is like, yeah, I mean, they have not produced. I agree. They are hurting teams uh, that are, and, you know, teams are desperately in the need of hitting that have those guys. But, you know, it's like you can't really, it's like, it's hard to say a bust is also because of an injury. You know, like I would say, you know, for instance, um, who's been relatively awful, like, uh, let's say, you know, Blake Snell, I mean, he had a good start the other day, but people really expected a lot from him. Dansby Swanson, he's been really bad, and people expected a lot more from him. Uh, Mike Mustakas has been terrible. Uh, Jorge Solar, like, there's Charlie Blackman. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, been so yeah. bad. Like, and, and, you know, one guy who I love, and I hate to say negative things about him, 
But if you look at Juan Soto's launch angle, you're like, is this guy now just a he's just hitting into double plays or what? Like, why is Juan Soto hitting everything on the ground? Like, it's just bizarre. What is I don't know what's happened to his swing. I'm guessing it has something to do with his shoulder. So, again, that might be an injury thing. But he's actually playing and not playing all that well, unfortunately, because he's he's hurting a lot of my teams. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I would not worry. I heard Soto in a post game uh, the other night basically saying that he understands that he's working on his swing and some things that he's got to get back to. He's not there yet. So I think that he recognizes that as well. I, I wouldn't worry as much. Uh, OK, now in terms of the best average draft position, let's go through uh, five names. I personally think Trevor Rogers is the best pick in fantasy baseball this season uh, because he was basically not picked. Or, or taken. He had, his NFBC number is like pushing a thousand, Gray, which means he wasn't even taken in a lot of these best balls. Mitch Hanniger around 250, double digit home runs. Adalis Garcia, another player right up there with Rodgers in terms of not being drafted, only off the waiver wire. 10 home runs, five steals. Uh, I put a closer here in Alex Reyes, Gray. Uh, is, is NFBC almost an undraftable player in 12 team leagues? And 13 for 13 with an ERA under one in saves. I, I got to include him. And then Freddie Peralta, really, for the Milwaukee Brewers, has just completely flown under the radar. And he has been one of the best pitchers in baseball. So, look, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, Gray. I'm sure you have some others, but these are who I came up with. Yeah, no, that that actually, that's a great list. I would agree with all those. I think, uh, you know, undeniable on a lot of them. I think, uh, you know, Freddie Peralta... I was targeting in every draft. I got him actually in the Tout Wars draft that uh, we did together. I got Freddie Peralta. I think, uh, you know, it was always about opportunity with Peralta versus his stuff. Like, if you watch, Peralta's the kind of guy, like, if you watch him pitch, you're like, yeah, that's an ace. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Like, you see his pitching, and you're you're convinced immediately uh, Trevor Rogers, I also loved coming into this year. I, I wish I would have got him in more leagues. I tried to get him in the league we're in together, but you know, with him having the Marlins Jersey, it's just going to be, uh, it's going to be tough for anyone to pull that one off. But I did love Trevor Rogers as well. Uh, Adolis Garcia was actually a guy, I think, uh, you and I talked about yeah. earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier in um, maybe or maybe late April when he first came up, I said to you that, you know, he hit a home run to the opposite field. And I was so impressed with his power. And that was like one of the first games he was up. And I was like, after one home run, I was like, this guy can be really good. I, I know he could potentially struggle with average and strikeouts. So, you know, you're gonna he might hit a slump at a certain period. Like, I'm not willing to say he's going to be a top 20 guy overall for the whole year, but he's definitely someone, if you watch him hit a home run, you're like, yeah, he's got easy power and he's got speed. With fantasy, if you have power and speed, that's like half the battle. Yeah, no doubt. And, and it'll be interesting to see what Texas decides to do with him, too, because, I mean, they could cash in at the deadline. I don't think he's a future player for them. Maybe he is. I, I don't know. Uh, we'll definitely play this out two more months to see if he is an Adalis Garcia or another Aquino. No one really knows for sure, but we're going to find out there as well. Uh, I would love your just opinion, fantasy aside, on the hottest topic in baseball, because I know that you love baseball and you love the game. It has not been enjoyable for me, Gray, to watch the lack of offense and to watch specifically all of these no-hitters happening. It's a really hot topic around the game, the ball manipulation, the spin rate. 
is, is just causing things to happen that we've never seen before. Uh, are are you having fun this season? Is this enjoyable for you? None of us thought that this was going to be like this this season. And so I'm wondering what, what your thoughts are on the first 25% of the baseball season. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I imagine a conversation with uh, Rob Manfred and uh, the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, and, and Rob suggesting that they deflate the basketballs to go and dribble. <laughs> I mean, I have never heard of such a thing. Like, anyone who has any sort of like uh, just a passing idea of what makes baseball fun it's the home runs it's the runs it's yeah. the scoring you don't go to a game and be like oh man i hope this is like you know a five hitter or or in this case it's going to be a no hitter every time but i mean it's just like it, it's incredible to me that they could be so uh you know misguided and what they thought was a good idea to do to take away offense, like you don't remove offense from a game. I think, um, you know, I was saying, I think I might have said it to you, I, I've said it before, but uh, I have a conspiracy theory that uh, he's Rob Manfred isn't really this silly about, you know, deflating the baseball and deadening it, that he's actually has a long game here. And that's for them to have no offense for the MLB to have no offense this year. And then to have the mound move back a foot next year. So then we see our first like 100 homer season. Because at that point, when the mound moves back, that's when offense is going to really go crazy. So I'm thinking that this is just like a long con or something. Yeah. No, it, it, it's look, I understand that it got a little crazy with the amount of power that there was. But <laughs> it, it's amazing to me that they just couldn't make an adjustment to that without destroying the offense in the game? Like, like where was that? And on top of it, Gray, I, I, and I've talked about this on the show too, is that what's, what shocks me is on top of, of the ball being different, they're using humidors in several major league parks this season on top of that. So, so, so the extreme in Texas and Miami and Houston and these and Seattle, I think too, these places that they've decided to do it, like why? Like why? I, I get it. I understand it. I used to tune in Gray to see no hitters, and now I'm just like, oh yeah, Spencer Turnbull, yeah. John Means, sure. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, no, I mean, no hitters are fun when there's like one or two a season. When there's one or two a day, it starts to lose its novelty. Yeah. All right. Uh, Gray, Razzball.com. Uh, tell people about uh, logging on to the site. we got about a minute to go, what they can expect. Uh, yeah, no, if you log into the site, you go up to the top toolbar and you see something that says tools. <laughs> you click on that and then you go down to uh, the Streaminator or the Hittertron and you can get all the pitchers to stream or all the hitters to stream. Mm-mm. Sounds easy. Gray Albright, thanks for being with us this week. We'll talk again next week, okay? All right, ladies. All right, Gray Albright. Follow him on Twitter at Razball. We'll take a quick timeout on Fantasy Sports today. We'll come back. We got Fantasy Reality here on this Friday, so make sure you stay with us. Stay with Sports Grid. Craig Mish, Davis Maddock, coming back to wrap it all up for the week right after this quick two minute break. Stay on the grid.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Craig Mish along with Davis Maddock. We got fantasy or reality coming up here on this Friday. Before we get to that, real quick, Davis, a lot of Julio Jones trade talk I've noticed in the last 24, 48 hours. We uh, really haven't had a lot of activity, I would say, in the NFL. This is kind of the, if there is a quiet time of the NFL, it is the end of May and into June. And then July, of course, things pick back up for training camp. But uh, any chance you think that Julio Jones is traded before the uh, training camp opens in in July? Definitely some chance. Now, I don't know. You know, I I don't know exactly how to handicap it. You know, I don't know ten percent, twenty percent, thirty percent. But uh, Julio Jones posts a gigantic number against the cap. The Falcons are definitely entering into a rebuilding and consolidating phase. And I think that if you wanted to be charitable, you could argue that uh, you know if Kyle Pitts is actually worth the number four overall pick, that he can help supplement some of Julio Jones' production. Julio Jones also was banged up last year, was banged up the year before, definitely entering into the downside of his career. If they could get a team to pay you know, 90 cents on the dollar for Julio Jones' peak production, I think probably mm-hmm. it would, should be something that they should explore. I mean, the, the, the tricky part... And trading someone like Julio is franchise icon. You know, basically one of the best players to ever put on an Atlanta Falcons jersey. And anytime you trade someone like that, I, I think it it's not about the dollars and cents. I think it's a lot about fan reaction and things like that. And I, I do not anticipate Falcons fans, you know, cheering on the addition of cap space and losing a legendary player like Julio Jones. Yeah, it's really, that's the dynamic that makes it so tough. But look, I mean, Andre Johnson left Houston. I mean, uh, Calvin Johnson retired. And and you just never know when these things are going to happen. What's also amazing to me is that a guy like Julio Jones two years ago is at the peak of his career. And then, uh, you know, two years later, it's done. (laughs) It's just, it's crazy how the NFL works with the physicality of the league. But it's kind of where it is. All right, let's bring in our producer, Brett Levy. Brett's got a huge weekend ahead of him. I can't even imagine, Brett, what you're doing this weekend. What's what's the party scene look like for Brett there uh, up in the tri-state area? 
Uh, we're just going to be sitting on the couch, Craig. We got a lot of basketball to watch, and uh, fans will be returning to the arenas for the NBA playoffs. The Knicks actually are going to have like the largest indoor crowd for a sporting event uh, yet. 15,000 expected at that game one at the Garden. The Nets having a little trouble selling some tickets. They put 50, their, their tickets on sale for 50% yesterday. Um, to try and get a few more fans in the door. So we got to ask the question, and Davis, we'll start with you. Home court advantage will matter in the NBA playoffs. Davis, is this a fantasy or reality? One million percent reality. Uh, could could not think that it matters any bit more. This is just a, a, a human element to sports that is very hard to quantify. Uh, we've already started seeing a little bit of this in Europe where they have started to allow fans back into soccer stadiums. We've already seen that, you know, come into play a couple of times where, uh, you know, that there was this great book called Scorecasting that came out. I mean, at this, oh gosh, I'm really dating myself here. I think this book came out 12 years ago, maybe 13 years ago at this point that did a big in-depth study of what fuels home court advantage, uh, home field advantage, whatever you want to call it. And basically, mm -hmm. it filters in through refereeing decisions that referees are just as human as the rest of us. And when 20,000, 10,000, 15,000 people are yelling at you and screaming at you, it just kind of influences your decision making. And then there's some other tertiary stuff like if you're in, like, for example, for the Nets, if you're at home, James Harden and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they know the way to the arena. They know how to get to the practice facility. They sleep in their own bed. They know where they want to get dinner that night. They, you know, you just you just know all these things when you're at home that you don't feel when you're when you're on the road. So I'm I'm one million percent reality here, Craig. Yeah, look there look, between the Lakers and the Clippers, there may not be. So I I guess we could find, you know, different series where it's not as much of a factor, but I think overall there's no question that it is. And um and I think in particular, probably in the early rounds, because this is not something that happened last year. Everyone was in the bubble. They were all playing in the same place. And and teams that are at home have a, a home court advantage, I think, have a distinct advantage in the first couple of rounds. Now, teams get used to it. They may be able to win more on the road, especially in the NBA, as we move along into the second and third round. But that first round, I would expect the home teams to prevail in most of these series. So uh, reality for me, Brett, no doubt. All right. We're all in on home court advantage. Well, one team that's not doing so well and just played three games at home, the Texas Rangers. They have not scored a run since the fifth inning on Tuesday night, Craig. So we got to ask, fantasy or reality? The Texas Rangers finally put one across the plate. They will score a run today. Fantasy or reality? I mean, that's a long time to go against a streak like that. I got to say, that's a long, long time. You normally want to ride a trend like that. Uh, but I will say this. They're facing off against a pitcher in Houston who's making his first start named Tyler Ivey. I'm not all that familiar with Tyler Ivey, so I don't know what he'll bring to the table. But my guess is, is that if Texas is going to score, they're going to have to do it off this young man because the Astros' bullpen is pretty good. So there still is a chance they could get shut out tonight, but provided Texas can get a run off this kid in the first four innings, I think they will. So I will say reality, 
But I also want to quantify this by saying if they fail to store, uh, score on the starter tonight, they're going to get shut out again. Yeah, I mean, that's a long time to go without scoring runs, right? From from Tuesday to Friday, it's a long time to go with putting uh, you know some crooked numbers up on the uh, the scorecard. I, I talked about my guy, Adelise Garcia, a little bit earlier on the show. I do think they're going to be able to score a couple runs. You know, it's getting hot, Craig. It's getting hot everywhere, uh, especially in Texas where this game is being played. We just got, by the way, we just got this report that came out today about the uh, doctoring of the balls. Maybe that makes some of the starting pitchers. Maybe this Tyler Ivy fella had his balls ready to be doctored and then decided, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to risk it tonight. We're just going with the ball as it gets sent to me. So I, I, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and agree with you. I'm going to say uh, they do score at least one run tonight. It'll come. Uh, Joey Gallo will hit a <laughs> solo shot home run to, to get the Rangers on the board. Listen, no, no one can ever fault you, Davis, for being loyal. You are loyal to your guys. That's that's definitely been proven. very true. One name is Joey Gallo here on the show. All right, we both say reality there, Brett. First five innings, got to have a run for for off uh, Ivy. All right. Well, another show that has a loyal following, Friends, and they're actually putting on a, a little reunion uh, episode here in a, in the near future, and. Uh, we got to ask the question. Sometimes Davis isn't uh, up on all the latest things from the early 90s. So fantasy or reality, Davis, you should binge a season of Friends before the reunion. Is this a fantasy or reality? Well, this is a fantasy, not because I haven't seen the show, because I have. Uh, you know, way back in the in the Stone Ages when Netflix was really the only streaming service. Now, streaming has been around for you know almost as long as as I can remember. Um, you know, I, I think by the time I got to college in 2010, everyone had a Netflix account, and Friends was one of those shows on Netflix that everyone watched. But even back then, back in 2010, we were still kind of in the monoculture, we everyone kind of had the same cultural experiences as it pertained to TV shows. You know, it wasn't so spread out to where I, I'm sure between me, Craig, and Brett, we haven't watched one overlapping program in 2021. We've all been watching our own different, you know, niche stuff. The thing about Friends is that I don't think it's very funny. Like, I just, I just don't really think that it was ever all that good. I, I remember watching it. I remember thinking Joey was was quite funny but i remember not really liking ross i remember finding jennifer aniston's character and uh, courtney cox arquette's character to just be you know not 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 great I, and chandler chandler is funny too like that that dude that guy's pretty funny but yeah I'm, I'm not binging another season of friends maybe i will watch the reunion though just you know for the for the cultural relevance of it craig Okay, so uh, look, we're we're talking about Davis here. It's very clear that I'm going to be watching one if we're going to have Davis's name in here in terms of Davis. So look, I, I, based on Davis's answer, if he would have just came off the Friends is old and I'm young, I would have said yes, Davis has to to uh, to binge it. But given the fact that he's given some pretty sound reasons on why he's not going to do it, I'm going to say fantasy as well. Now I will say this in in the defense of Friends. When uh, in the 90s, of course, I'm in, let's see, I'm in my 20s or late 20s, early 30s, whatever it is. It was a very 90s show. And if you were living in the 90s at the time and even shortly thereafter, 
it was very bingeable. It was very watchable. And I thought a lot of the episodes, maybe unlike Davis, were very funny and very good. The, the storylines I thought were very good, very funny. A lot of different things happening on the show. A lot of, by the way, big time actors coming on and actresses to be on that show as well. But in the big defense of Davis as to why to not binge it, and I've heard this before from a lot of people, it really does not hold up that well now. No, it doesn't. There are so many cultural references to that time and things that happen that are kind of like, they're not as funny now as they were then. It's almost like telling jokes now to somebody in the 1990s. They probably wouldn't find them as funny. So Davis, I think that is probably the bottom line with it. Now, as somebody who grew up and watched the show all the time, of course I'm going to be watching this reunion. It's a very important thing to me. I want to see it. But unlike Seinfeld, which was on the same night as Friends, Seinfeld, I can still put it on right now and watch 15 episodes and laugh and think it's very funny. I don't know why, but I still do think so. But Friends, you're right on that case, Davis. I just don't think it holds up that well right now. Yeah, so I'm I'm with you one one hundred percent. Seinfeld is still great. I I could go I could go throw on you know the soup Nazi or uh, the marine biologist or whatever right now, and I would I would be entertained. I'd be chuckling. You know I I think it's great. I you know I think that obviously that's a credit to Larry David who has remained culturally relevant this entire time. You know the only person who's still culturally culturally relevant from Friends is is Jennifer Aniston. Right. Uh, yeah. Cor- you know, Courtney Cox has done a couple other sort things of. here or there. Yeah. Like sort of like like people know who she is. But the other the other cast of characters, um, you know, they were they their star kind of faded after Friends. Um, but yeah, everyone from Seinfeld and, and all of the people from Seinfeld, by the way, other than Michael Richards, went on to do other things that were great. Right. Jason Alexander was on a bunch of great shows and he's been a guest star. He's great. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, everyone loves Veep. Uh, she's been great in movies. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Seinfeld holds up. Friends, not so much. Just a very product of its time. Yeah, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that either. But that's going back to the 90s. And so, uh, yeah, I'll definitely be in on the reunion for sure. And it's interesting that you mentioned that because all of those Friends stars did have a lot of gigs immediately after and for a long time. Mm. But you're right, recently not as much. So I guess the answer is... No binging for Davis for Friends, but I'll be watching the reunion show on, I guess it's HBO Max. I don't even have HBO Max. I got to get another streaming thing. My gosh. All right. We got to take a quick time out here on the show. When we come back, it's time for the Sports Grid 60, and that will wrap up our week for this Friday. But don't forget, coming up all weekend long, we have a lot of great fantasy and, of course, gambling programming for you, wagering programming for you, in-game live, game time decisions. All kinds of great stuff this weekend. Stay on the grid with us. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? 
That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Today, hopefully, everyone watching has a great weekend. You can go back and watch all our shows on demand. Our best fall NFL previews are posted on our YouTube channel. If you want to go, check them out. Let's end the show with the Sports Grid 60 and turn it over to Davis Maddock. Davis, what do you got? All right, so we talked about friends in the last segment, which got us uh, talking with our producers, uh, James and Brett, about the the greatest or worst finales ever and and we, a couple great points were raised one of them being you know what is the worst finale ever how i met your mother pretty bad dexter very very bad so bad however i i do think that game of thrones probably it's got game of thrones has to be the worst because game of thrones had the most cultural relevance when it came out because at at the time that game of thrones was on we are, we are deep into the era of streaming, right? Four different streaming services, five different streaming services, live sports, you know, actual cable TV. It, it was so hard for something to be that beloved because of the way people access media now. And I, I feel like they did, I feel like the Game of Thrones finale was so bad that that was the end of big TV forever. There will never be another cultural phenomenon like that because people were so disappointed at the end of that show. So there's the sports grid 60 for me for today, Craig. Yeah. I mean, people dedicated a lot of time to that, but Davis, I, I, I know that you may not think this or know this, but the Sopranos was right there with it. Uh, every night, Sunday nights, HBO, uh, you know, they, they had a huge party for the finale, a one hour pre a one hour post after it was over. And that show literally just went to black at the end of the show and just didn't give us a finale and said, figure it out yourself. So I'm going to end the show with this on a positive note. Phil Mickelson is competing for the PGA Championship. Sports are always better when the stars are involved in the end. And it doesn't mean they have to win, but it's always fun to see them in it, whether it's win or lose. And personally for me, I'm hoping Phil Mickelson is a part of the final walk-up on 18 this weekend at the PGA Championship. We, of course, will be back here on Monday to break it all down. Thanks to James at LTN for Brett and Danny and Ryan. And, of course, my co-host, Davis Maddock. I'm Craig Mish. Have a great weekend. See you Monday. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.